All right, everybody. So, this week on the episode, Coach Jason Hamilton and I, we sit down and just talk about uh, what it means to be a good student and how to be a good student, how to be a good athlete, and how to be a good coach, and the differences in all of those. We also discuss a little bit about the who's number one. We kind of wanted to keep it tight, tight episode here, 40-minute episode, but... Um, yeah, we just wanted to, you know, discuss that. We might even talk about the results of who's number one, if that's something y'all would be interested in. But, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be a good episode. You're going to enjoy it. Looking forward to it. Email us at halfyourproblempodcast at gmail.com to uh, suggest new topics or give us a review. Love you guys. All right. We're back for episode two. Um, I say we this time because there's two of us. Um, I've got Jason Hamilton with me. Uh, he's the head coach of Scramble Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Wrestling. And we're going to talk today. What's up, Jason? Uh, not much. Um, so, we're going we're gonna to talk about all kinds of stuff today. I'm sure we're, gonna, we're pretty bad about getting on rants when uh, we think we're talking about a certain thing and then we realize we've talked about something else for 30 minutes. Oh yeah. So, yeah. so we'll see. We'll see how far along the rabbit hole, how down, how far down the rabbit hole we get with this kind of stuff. Um, but we've got the first thing I kind of want to talk about is this: uh, who's number one? Okay, because oh, this, the one this weekend, the yeah, Gordon Ryan this weekend, one. It's uh, on Sunday, so it's eight, uh, August seventh, I believe. So this and, is probably like one of the best cards I've ever seen them put together because literally, like every match could be a main event. Yep. For sure. Like, I mean, it's ridiculous. And they're still – they just added one, right? Did you send me one where it was on that? Who's number no, one or was it – That's a Saturday. That's oh, – okay. no, that's uh, – oh, man. That's fight to win. That's fight, fight to win. win. Oh, Josh Cisneros and Damian Anderson, which is – that's probably going to be the main event. That's the 55-pound belt. To which, be honest with you. That's going to be a super great fight. I'm kind of – I would prefer to watch that match in fight to win, honestly. Compared to – I mean, I like who's number one's rules too, but the fight to win just – it's it's just really – you get after it, you know. Um, the who's number one's good too, but you can win the judges things every five yeah, you, minutes. You never know what the you never know what the who's number one's rules are going to be. I think uh, yeah, yeah, they change like them Gordon's. All. I think's going to be a thirty minute match probably. Yeah, it's usually. Oh, it's, you know what? No, actually, uh, theirs is no time limit sub only. Uh, yeah, last I heard, they were yeah, great. yeah, but his his no time limits are usually thirty minutes. Like he he claims most of his matches are no time limit. They usually put yeah, a thirty. From minute what I understood, on. this one they were like. Legit, it, yeah. Like they put the money on the line, and they were they put, because uh, quotations of money, they, yeah, yeah. Because uh, Gordon put a hundred thousand dollars against Pena's yeah. ten grand. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That is crazy. I was trying to pull it up here and look at the card where uh, where we could see it. But anyways, yeah, that Gordon match. I mean, that's literally the match to make. There's there's only a couple other people that even deserve to be talked about on the mat with with Gordon, and you know they're not and taking even matches if, even if he really deserves it. Really, yeah, right. I mean, like. The only two people, that, the only other two people that I would even like to see on the mat with him would be Galvao or Duarte, you know. But I mean, eventually they might get on the. I don't. I think Duarte cut down to nine. He's, yeah, he's a he's minus ninety nine. Yeah. So, anyways, they might they could end up doing it. Um, the Vucic match wasn't bad. I mean, not. I mean, two points in forty minutes isn't a great burn barn burner or anything. But, no, it was a it was a very interesting match because Bucecha was so much bigger than yeah, Gordon. Yeah, especially at the time Gordon was competing at minus ninety nine. He was probably and walking they, around at two fifteen. And they fought in the absolute. Yeah, instead of cutting to it, you know, it's a lot different then. But um, that was a, one of the most impressive things about Gordon's. Uh, yeah, that was what 
a, two two and a half years ago, and Gordon's yeah. a completely different fighter yeah, now than he was then. It's twenty. I think he's twenty. He's he's about my age or it, younger. I think, I think he's, he's younger than me. No, he's definitely younger than you. Yeah, so hey, I'm an old bitch. Um, all right, but anyways, so look, we've got a really good who's number one call. We might need to watch that. We need to figure out what yeah, I get off work at 7. So. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the good fights won't start till 8 o'clock, so I'll be yeah, back in Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like you said, there's a bunch of really good ones on there. Um, okay, so this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to just uh, chat about something that we've been talking about in the gym recently, and that's what these podcasts are going to be a good bit of, or just things that come up in the gym and training. This is going to kind of center, this podcast is going to center around uh, Scramble Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and Wrestling here in Rome, where we teach, and you know, we're just going to kind of, anything that comes up and people are curious about, or they want to debate about, or that whatever, we do a lot of debating here. Um, we're just going to take that opportunity to kind of talk about it on the podcast, and today... We're going to, it's going to kind of center around um, what makes a good student, but it's also going to branch off into like, hopefully these other things like, you know, the differences in being a good student and a good coach or a different, uh, a good student and a good competitor. Cause there's so many different qualities that go into all these things that people, you would think that it kind of just, you know, is a blanket, a blanket statement. But yeah, being not. a good student, being a good athlete are completely different realms from one another. Yeah, you know, and almost to be honest with you, from what I've noticed, um, it it's almost like almost they, almost they, most of our great athletes in our gym are some of our worst students. I know it's almost like yeah. they it's very hard to coexist. Like yeah. being this, uh, you know, and not that it's it doesn't uh, ever coexist, but I feel like it is a struggle sometimes for really good students to to go out there and be a good athlete i think they put a lot of emotion and, and and intellectual power into it and they almost overthink it and a lot of times with the people that do well that go out there and they compete very very well it's like they can't get into that good student gear it's almost like motivation drives them a lot of the time and not discipline with yes the, with yeah. the athletes yeah the discipline part so like the oh man Discipline's a huge thing for me. So, uh, like uh, Mike Tyson talks about it, and it's probably the best definition I ever heard for discipline. And it's uh, discipline's not doing something that you love all the time. It's doing something that you hate like you love it. Mm, yeah, that's a good one. That's the best that's definition. Best definition for discipline I've ever heard. Yeah. So, uh, like, uh, so like we'll get it right straight into it. So, the hugest difference between uh being a great athlete and being a great student is the the mindset in which you come into the room. Mm. So as an athlete, when you go to compete, you you have to be completely full of yourself. You know you're gonna win. You know you you know you know everything, all the answers. As soon as you step on the mat, you have to be completely confident. But on the other end, when you walk into the training room, you have to be the complete like inverted of that yeah the complete reverse like you walk in the room and be willing to accept that you know nothing even if you're good which makes it really hard because we have some great competitors and they they're not bad students like they they listen to us and they yeah. do stuff but they don't always follow the avenue of which is best for making them better right so like and it's because they get so much success yes 
early on at the early easier stages of competition yes so uh being in the being in the room training uh you should be in here you you should like follow these avenues where you're uh kind of being more coachable like this is what i should be doing this is what i should be doing instead of being like well this is what Gordon Ryan does in competition. Right. Well, you're not Gordon Ryan. Right. If you look like we were talking yeah. earlier, if you look at Gordon Ryan in his matches in 2015, 16, 17, he's not – he didn't start with trying to smother people, like with his chest. Like yeah. he has worked his way to this where he has, he has developed pieces of his game as he's went. Like when he started, he was a leg locker. Like everybody knew him. And I haven't seen him finish a leg locker Yeah, to be since. honest, people – uh, people didn't know who Gordon Ryan was yeah. until he was a black belt. Yeah, like literally. Like uh, he he didn't make his name on the scene until his very, very late stages of brown belt, and he was still losing matches a lot. Right. I watched yeah. him. Um, it was about a month before he got his black belt, and it was so – And he was still 168. Yeah, he was literally yeah. – he competed at one – I think it was 70. either 170 or 165 or something that day, um, and it was a 16-man brown belt tournament, and it was bananas – um, it, I can't remember, I think this sounds crazy. Okay. But I'm pretty sure it was no time limit sub only for the whole bracket. Okay. That's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And they started the live stream. It was a free live stream on Facebook. I think it was like one of those podcasts, one of the grappling podcasts, the Hoffa guy or, or, or anyways, uh, one of them podcasts. And I watched it and I remember, he was tapping guys in three minutes and other guys were having 30 minute matches. And this was like, like I said, right before he got his black belt. And so he was really kind of on point and they were talking about how he was a Gary Tonin black belt and all this. And Gary was a big name, of course, at the time. Yeah, Gary's been a big name since he was a yeah. brown belt. So uh, yeah. anyways, it was, uh, it, I remember seeing him and thinking this guy's going to be the next thing. I didn't realize it was going to be this, but like, you, but anyways, um, he didn't start doing the stuff he's doing now. He started off uh, and built his game in the room, and you can hear that every time he talks about John Denner. Yeah. Like, every time he talks about him, he is, he's he has 100% full commitment and and faith. And, I mean, it's pretty easy when it's John Denner, too. But yeah, still. yeah, you have the best – you have the best coach in the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, it's, it's, a, it's, pretty, it's pretty important, like you said, to come into the training room – and, and be open and, yeah. open to listening and taking advice. And even though you're like, man, I just learned this really cool new thing and I want to get some reps in on it. Like we have so many, we have so many talented guys in the gym and uh, I have a constant problem where I'm teaching something and um, uh, where, where I'm teaching that. something and I'm, and I'm having guys drill cause we drill an immense amount here. And, uh, and I'm walking around the room during drilling and I turn around and people are, are fucking off. Yeah, are doing twisters. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like where the where you know. I was like, hey man, we're uh, escaping bad positions from half guard into high guard attacks. Why are y'all doing barambolos? Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm super excited that you mm-hmm. want to add barambolos to your game, and we can do that. Dude, there's a time a, and place for it. In a few weeks, or you can do that on open mat. Guess what? That's what open mats are for. Right, they're not for coming oh, in. Yeah, open mat is not for coming in and doing two hours of goon mold rolling. It's legitimately coming in and for you to drill whatever you want to drill. It's not fun. Right. But and that here, is how I you think, get good. I think the stigma comes from the open mats is because we all went to an open mat one day and there was 40 people there and 10 of them were black belts. 
and they just got in there and rolled, and it's because they can beat the ever-loving shit out of everyone they're rolling with. They are literally live drilling on the blue belts. Yeah. Right? So, But then the white belts and the blue belts and the purple belts and all these people see that, and they think, oh, we, at open mats, we just roll. But they're not – black belts aren't rolling at open mats. Yeah. They're, or like the super ultra talented people that can beat up on everybody yes. aren't rolling. It's a different kind of drilling. Yes, yes, they are drilling on you live, and you don't even realize it. You but know what I mean? Yeah, but also what you don't realize is that they're black belts. Like what we were just talking about <laughs> yeah. Gordon Ryan is like he can do what he wants because he did years and years, and he's still doing what he's told to do. Right. But like um, these black belts that are uh, still competing at the highest level, they're going to open mats at their gym. Mm-hmm. And they let's say they're open mats two hours. They're probably like the stuff they're getting ready for a competition. They have a two hour open mat. They probably have an hour of stuff that they're specifically drilling, right? Of boring repetition, and then they go thirty minutes of specific training. And then they might do twenty thirty minutes of live drills. Yeah, see, and here's the other thing that because it's a it, you got to put time in. You yeah. got to you got to punch the you got to punch the but, clock. I've noticed something. So I started a really good time to feel the shift uh, from like jujitsu being way more like you competed in jujitsu sometimes, but it was way more of a martial art. And then at some point along the way, it was a sport. Like it's a sport now. And it's yeah. Like, yeah, you still use it as a combat, like martial art and stuff. But at the end of the day, like we train it like a sport. People talk about it like a sport. People watch the events. Like before no one watched the freaking events. No yeah. One. Back back in the, back in the coffee days. Right. Yeah. yeah it yeah. was just like, there was a lot of good people around. Yeah. But everybody was just training really hard. Mm-hmm. And you showed up to competitions. And you, I mean, there was some freak guys that were already right, professional right. athletes. But generally in competition, it was like the toughest. Just, you yeah. were just a, you were just a, a dog. dog. Yeah. You were just a dog. And uh, you could just go out and win competitions by being a dog, having a full-time job and just being meaner yeah. and tougher than other guys. But now it is – you go to a competition now and you compete in the adults division. You're going to walk up on a 21-year-old kid that's been playing for 10 Seven, years. 17-year-old kid. And, yeah, and it's like – You take Goff Flicker, for example. Yeah, yeah. Like he's, yeah. yeah, he's fucking 16 years old, and he, he goes through and wrecks – Four of our guys in one competition. He's sixteen yep. and beats grown men. And then he right? does it the next weekend too. These kids. Yeah, these now days. he's and now he's a two-time world champ as a blue belt. Yeah. Now he just got his purple belt. So like, oh he's, yeah, he's purple cool. belt now Good for yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, anyways, it it's like like you said, flow. What my point was with the shift is flow is a big part of that shift. Oh, ab- absolutely, a huge part. Like you know, it kind of started with the flow wrestling and and then flow grappling saw that they could make money and it, it, flow grappling blew up. Now it is huge. And, um, but they don't make money off showing you the black belt that's drilling for 30 minutes. Oh, so no. they never show you that. They never show you that. They only show you him getting in there and doing the crazy, like cyborg at his place, doing those crazy rounds with those demigods. Yeah. And, and that makes great money. You know what I mean? Because it's inciting. It's fun. Him and Gilbert Burns and. Yeah. And uh, Wagner, Vag- Wagner. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Punch, close hand punching each other in the face while they're training. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, that makes flow money and stuff. They don't show the monotony of what a black belt or what a, you know, high level athlete uh, and student does. That, that Like what your point is really is that. The best athletes in the world are coexisting inside, and then they have the best students too. Yes. Um, and it's very easy to get caught up doing one or the other because, well, I I win in the room all the time. I must know what I'm talking about. 
but it's just not true. Like, it's, to be honest, it's just not true. Um, but it's also easy to get in here and be a, a really great student when there's zero pressure. Yes. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a hard thing when you're just talking about being an athlete. Like, uh, me and one of the guys was talking about that the other day, and he, uh, no one, no one is as good in competition as they are in the practice room, right. except for probably Gordon Ryan. Yeah, and um, and it's figuring that that out where you can yeah. have the confidence of messing up. And John Danaher talks about that a lot, where you build the the immense amount of confidence in your defensive game mm-hmm. yeah. so much that you will at will go for transitional transitions and uh, yeah. go for uh, submission attacks without any hesitation because if you fail, you're just as dangerous as any other yeah. position and no one I can hold it, you down and no one can stop you. It's most apparent in the seven-year-old kids because what happens is a good athlete gets to mount. A good athletic seven-year-old gets to mount, and then mommy and daddy are like, my kid won't finish anything from mount. He just stays up there. And the reason is he, be on bottom. he yeah. does not want to be on bottom. <laughs> yeah. He is ter- he's absolutely petrified of trying an arm bar on mount, ending up in closed guard where theoretically he should still beat the crap out of the kid. And But that's terrifying to him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Being on bottom is a lot of work. <laughs> so, but like you said, when you get good at defense and you well round, you're well rounded, and 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 you don't feel like there's any of these gaping holes in your game, it's a lot easier to go for, especially in competition, a lot easier to go for, uh, you know, your best stuff when you know at the end of this, even if it doesn't work out, it's going to work out. It's not going to be the, I don't have to do the perfect shot. I can really chip away at this guy until something lands. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's supposed to make these sub only so great. Yeah, is the fact yeah. That you just go out there and it really started with the EBI. I noticed because John down here did an interview, like you said. Uh, I mean, it was six, five, six years ago, and he had Tonin and the Calistine. What's his name? John. Ethan. Hey, John. Uh, John Calliston. Cal- when they he was training with, I can't say the guy's last name. I forgot. Eddie Cummings. He had all these guys that he were doing a little tiny guy. Yeah, a little bit tiny, small guy. Did one thirty-five. Um, but anyways, he they had so many people doing these EBIs and having success, and they were everyone was super interested in how they were doing it. And he was literally like, "Well, we just step one, uh, we do our best to be untappable, <laughs> yeah. and then step two, we just spam, you know, our controls and and offense at them. And if it doesn't work out, it's fine because you can't tap us, and that's the only way to beat us in EBI. So." It's pretty cool, like you said. It, it's that's a big part of being an athlete, being able to be out there and and shake off the 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 pressure and the expectations. But being a good student, it's the exact opposite. You come in here and like you take all that away intentionally, and you are receptive. So yep. it's very hard to juggle both. I feel like you know. But um, so there's another thing though. Uh, there's there's these you know intellectual attributes and mental attributes and physical attributes that go into all like both of these things. Yes. But also coaching. There's a, there's people have no idea, like specifically people that have never got a chance to stand in front of a, of a room and try to carry the room and fill the room with your, with your presence. They have absolutely no idea Uh, what it means to, to coach someone. Oh yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a huge task to overcome. Uh, it seems easy when you right. watch someone who's done it for mm-hmm. a while. Like uh, I personally started coaching grappling at a young age. So I've been doing jujitsu. Most people know I started training in 1999. So uh, 
was that 23, wow. 23 years yep. for me now. Um, and uh, I started coaching grappling in maybe 2002. I was in high school. I started running my own classes. Yep. Not every day, but I started running my own classes, and I sucked. <laughs> yeah. I sucked pretty bad. Uh, as soon as I got out of high school, I started running my own grappling programs mm-hmm. by 18 years old at an uh, MMA school. No, right. no gi only. And uh, <clears throat> I was still pretty bad, but nobody knew because I was pretty good. Yeah, you could beat them in a roll. And oh, everything. yeah. I could but, beat the crap but, out of people. You know, but, so no one understood how maybe you were you're lacking in a coaching sense. Oh, yeah. But as far as coaching went, you know, I was terrible. Like, I didn't know how to lead people. I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to develop people. And uh, as far as uh, me personally, I have super huge social anxiety. So unlike PJ here, I don't like to talk in front of people. And uh, I'm terrible with uh, public speaking. And now, uh, being in front of a only the avenue of teaching jujitsu am I comfortable yeah. speaking in front of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, you had to give a work presentation at Toy Oh, dude, I'd, I'd shit the bed so hard. <laughs> if, if you put if you put me in front of seven people and they were like, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I'd be like, ugh, I fucking cook tires. <laughs> yeah. And I clean stuff. I pick it up, I put it down. <laughs> oh, uh, but like... um. But if I'm in a jujitsu room, you can put me in front of 150 people, and I honestly I could keep the room entertained. I could carry the room, right? Uh, and I could deliver an amazing product. But it took me a long time to figure that out. So I got a question about it. Do you think that is the case with everybody? Do you feel Do you feel like it, when you start coaching, you are gonna you are you are not gonna be good? Like, have you met very many people that just walk in and they're good day one? Uh, no. No one's good their first day. Okay. It's just not one of those things. Like, you see it with jiu-jitsu. Like, people come – like, Nicky Rodriguez. Nicky Rod. That dude walked in and was mollywhopping people in a jiu-jitsu tournament day one. No, I think think people can come in and be good competing jiu-jitsu. No, yeah, that's what I was saying. With prior prior grappling experience. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the right physical attributes. Yeah, you take, take like, Randy, for example. Randy came in. Randy's got wins over black belts in competition, and he's an elite-level wrestler. Like, his grappling is amazing. But it's hard to do that in a coaching sense. Like, you just can't – there's not a whole lot that – without coaching, without running rooms before, if you just jump in here day one – Yeah, I really believe that you can be taught to be a great coach in a short time. I just don't believe people do that. Yeah, they never uh, teach you how to coach. They just teach you how to do it and how to know it for yourself. Yeah, I think I think coaches are like, yeah, uh, teach this, and that's all they tell you. And uh, I think um, in the history of running schools, professors were scared that if they taught you the secret, right, what they yeah, had to yeah, learn yeah. over 20 years, that you would – soon as you learn to do what they could do, you would just split, steal their students. Yeah. You could you would end up doing it better than them. You'd run down the street, open up another school, everybody would leave. But at the end of the day, uh, if if PJ could do that to me and everybody wanted to leave and go to, with PJ, that's where they need to be. Because right. if he offers a better product than I offer, then that's where they should be at. The same way with cross-training. Professors who are scared for their students to cross-train – are scared that someone else offers something, something better, better than them. Yeah. I love for our students to go other places to train 
not only because it offers like mimics like um the closest you can get to competition training when you get to roll with other people you don't know without it being competition right but also what i really love about <clears throat> it is is that students get to go train with other coaches and they get to see how much better of a coach than i am than their coaches are yeah and it lets you uh realize how lucky you are that yeah i've put in the time and understanding that i have mm -hmm. for what i do because i study excessively to give the mm -hmm. product that i do and i know in my experience because i've trained with super famous coaches and I've trained with really crappy coaches and, uh, and I've been in really famous gyms and I've been in really shitty gyms. And, uh, even these super, super famous coaches have delivered really crappy products. The only they, difference yeah. was the quality of people in the room were really good. Right. Yeah. 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 You can, you can get the training experience through the roles was, and through the drills. Yeah. They just but, they had way more, way more show horses. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of that too, when you go to places like that, they're just not invested into in to like, each person. Right. Yeah. So like, if you want that, if you want to look at the, the premium subscription, then you have to pay the price. Oh yeah. And you know, if you're the 16 year old kid, that's going to be a phenom. Maybe you pay that price. Cause that guy wants, maybe that is the price for you. Yeah. Cause that, you know, guy wants his patch on your back yep. when you compete. Um, and other people, if you're not that 16 year old kid, that's going to be a phenom. Maybe you have to pay a monetary price and you have to, purchase this man's time to get a look at what he actually knows i've noticed that too when i've when i've traveled it's like you know you're showing us how to play single leg x but you're really not showing us how you play single leg x right you're doing a very youtube -y type thing when very meat and potatoes yes yeah. um i want to know how to cook it yeah what yeah. seasoning are you putting on yes this? you know yeah. the exact temperatures and times man i don't want to know like put it in the pot like but anyways, I, I uh, yeah, the, between the three, the students, the competitors, and the and the coaches, it's a very different point of view. Um, because like the competitors, we'll get back to this. We'll kind of just compare them. Like competitor is one hundred percent selfish. When you are when you are when it's like, time to, when it's yeah. time to be the competitor. There's a yeah. time to be all three of these. Okay, but when it when it's time to be the competitor, you have got to be all about you like and i'm really uh i mean I'm, I'm not sorry for it but i do that to the extreme when i compete i, yeah, I get I was, very i was the same way yeah um you just have you ha to you have to be well you, you owe it to yourself dude you owe it to yourself because you put the work in you know if you put the work in which that's a whole nother thing but if you've put the work in you owe it to yourself to finish strong and by going and being you know and everybody's a different competitor in their own right and they'd like to make their pressure melt away their own way i just like trying to imagine i'm going to murder the guy well it's but, also what your goals of competition yeah, is yeah, too. yeah like uh our aspirations of competition are different than someone who's doing it for um just to see where they're at overcoming yeah. a fear yeah character building yeah because because that's a great reason to compete character building yeah i mean but, for, for but, honestly for 90 percent of the people we're talking to right now that's why they're listening but yes. we we didn't compete for that no no i you know i wanted to win and i wanted to I, not only did i want to win i really wanted to i, I competed impress. for i competed for notches on my gun belt yeah yeah, yeah exactly that's yeah. exactly so you owe it like i said you owe it to yourself to show up and be selfish that day that, that nobody nothing else matters nothing else I, matters i was when when i was a a true blown athlete i was selfish every day right every single day so yeah. when i showed up to training sessions 
I was completely selfish in the training room. So mm -hmm. I got there. It was uh, when it was time to listen to coach, I listened to coach. If you wanted to cut up, I'd tell you to fuck off. I'd go right. get a different training partner. When it was time for me to drill, it was time to drill. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to talk, I'd get a different training partner right. or I would cuss you out. Right. Like this is my time. I only get, I get two mm -hmm. hours of this today. If you want to talk and cut up, we can do that after class. Right, right, right. When it's time to, when it's time to roll, it's time to roll. Right. And then after class, I'm going to do push-ups. I'm going to do squats. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to get my training in. Then I would go train after. Like, um, and then when it was time to compete, like you're saying, being selfish, like uh, when it got, I would be, I would care about the team. But right, when the it, team results matter. The team results the matter, time, but when it's getting close. You have a job to do. Yeah, when it's getting close for time for me to compete, I don't want nobody talking to me. Yeah. I got to get my zone. I don't want. I don't really care about my teammates being on the mat when it's close to right. time for me yeah. to. Yeah, you're talking twenty minutes or less, like. Yeah, twenty minutes or less. Yeah. Uh, I hope you do good, bud. Yeah, I'll, I'll see you at the end. Yeah, talk to me after. <clears throat> talk to me after my bracket's done. Yeah, no, I am one hundred percent on the same page. And some people are capable of competing really at a high level and not being that way and be a little bit more just. Yeah, my brother was crazy like that. Like he could watch. He could. He could be cheering on this mat and mid cheer walk off and walk onto yeah. the mat. Or be eating a Big Mac and sit it down and walk on the mat and wrestle. And I was like, Jesus Christ. I was yeah, like, see, I'm still I, not that way. I was like, we're going to be here for 13 hours. I can't even eat. Right. I can't even eat a meal while I'm coaching, let alone while I am while then, I was competing. So you take that, the flip side of this coin, and you turn it into a coach. Like, okay, so when a coach goes to a competition, like nothing he does that whole day has anything to do with him. Oh, yeah, it's complete opposite. You know what I mean? And so you're giving and you're giving, you're giving. And to be honest with you. It's exhausting. It I I leave tournaments after competing. And it's like, man, like, okay, I tweet, like, okay, some guy arm barred me. Okay, so my arm's a little sore. But outside of that, I feel great, right? Um, but then on the flip side, when I leave coaching, I feel like I've been hit by a car. Yeah. Like, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. I realize I haven't eaten in 12 hours, yep. right? I looked at a bottle, a bottle of water real hard one time. But, but – Thank, thank God we got Allison because she always tries to force beef jerky and bottles of water down my throat now yep, that she's yep. at tournaments. Yeah, she's like, like wrestling mom and tearing yeah. and all that. Yeah. They just make sure you're, you're eating. Uh, but, yeah, like it's the complete opposite, completely selfless the whole the whole time. And that's the, I, the way it is in the room, like you were talking about. As an athlete, you do the same thing when you coach in the room as a coach. Yes. You, you just get in there and, and it's – you're constantly giving your time and it's almost like there's not enough of you for everyone. That's kind of where we are now, where the stage we are in our gym. We're three years old now and we have a bunch of people in is it, that. Is it crazy that yesterday was the first yeah, the, like, the anniversary of the first unofficial class? Yeah, where it was like, hey, we've got the mats down and uh we did the first unofficial yeah. class. That's crazy. Yeah, that was crazy. That was weird. You see how skinny Jesus was? Yep. He's so fat. Jesus Christ, He's so he fat is now. so fat, dude. He is so fat. Ed was there. Good old Ed. I miss Ed. But anyways, yeah, so we're in that part where we have a bunch of people that know a little bit about grappling and stuff, um, and they're even having success. But, like, as far – okay, like, when you look around the room, um, very rarely will you point at, like, three or four purple belts and up. Yeah. Right? Like, if you and I are in there and if you don't – If everybody shows up, we got – yeah, four. Right? Yeah, four, four is like a pretty good class. You know what I mean? Of, of and and fifteen blue belts. And, yes, yeah. fifteen blue belts and probably you know ten. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So, anyways, I, I it's so different 
being a coach to an athlete. And I think athletes, uh, coaches know. Here's the difference in coaches and athletes. Coaches know when they see a high-level athlete that is doing crazy things, they know they either could have done it at one point, but they can't do it anymore or whatever, right? Or at where they are right now, maybe if they were selfish enough and they took the time, they could go do it, right? When they're sitting in the chair, they know this is my role, that's his role. I think athletes, I know I, I was this way. I would see people coach, and I was like, I could do that. You know, and like you said, I I, I do like public speaking. I, I, it doesn't make me uncomfortable and stuff. But even so, just be, here's the thing: just because you know how to do something doesn't mean you know all the different ways to do it wrong. It's and that's so what different. you have to know when you're going to coach. Yeah, it's so different. And even even like I was saying about like the being able to teach someone to coach, there's still evolutions yeah. of it. And I've talked to you about it. And I've talked, man, I've had this thought with like seven or eight people about like the evolution of starting to coach jujitsu mm-hmm. from beginning to the end and i don't think i'm at the end you're right well that's the that's part of being, i don't think there is an end that's part of being the student again yeah is i don't that think there I'm isn't the, an end yeah uh, there's not yeah there is no end i think always chasing the bet the better more efficient version yeah of yourself is always the the right route but like uh man it's it's so hard to always better yourself but like always but in the beginning you're always trying to be new and exciting yeah, 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 and yeah. trying to keep people's interest and at the end of the day if you just give a solid product who gives a shit people right. are excited about your class because the people who are good and want to get better if you're giving solid stuff they'll come right yeah, and if yeah, you're yeah. and being charismatic is how we carry a room yeah but find a developed your, skill i really yeah. feel like you might not show up that way but you can de- definitely develop that it's the, just time yeah. under tension, baby. Yeah, the only thing is, is finding your way to do it. Yeah. Because the way I carry a room is completely different than any other coach I've ever been around. Mm-hmm. And because uh, I'm very verbally assaulted to every, yeah. everyone around. Mm-hmm. But I can do that. Right. And uh, I can do it. And everybody thinks it's funny, even though I'm being serious. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, but like PJ can't get away with that because yeah. he's not covered with neck tattoos. Right. And, right. uh, uh, Anthony couldn't do it. Right. Trip couldn't do it. Yeah. That, that, just the that, way you look, the yeah, way yeah. you carry yourself, the way I look at people in the room, the way yeah, I yeah, smile you afterwards. Just have to, well, it's, it's, a lot of it's just being true to like kind of what your personality is. Like people get out there. I have noticed when I put kids and people in front of uh, kids, in oh, kids yeah. class. They'll cut you they, up. Oh, yeah. dude, bro. They, kid, people want to be at the disciplinarian all of a no, sudden. Kids will eat you to peace. You know, but yeah. dude, you're not like, here's the problem. It's certain people like a, you brought up Anthony. Hey, Anthony is a disciplinarian. If there is, oh, yeah, he if is. there is a rule, then we follow the the damn rule. Oh, and yeah. if you're not following the damn rule, I got issues with you. And that's who Anthony is. Yeah. And I, I can appreciate that about him because it's perfect for a, a window of kids' class. It's perfect. Yeah. In fact, for that window of like seven to twelve, he is exactly what we need because like he walks on that side of the map. Yeah, but five year old ain't claw yeah. crawling through that window. He baby. just can't do it. No. <laughs> he just can't like that the five year old just cannot do it yet. But that's okay. You're gonna do these push ups. No, I ain't right. Yeah. But what I notice is people that aren't disciplinarians want to fit that role because they feel like that's what being a get a kid's coach is. Uh, no, it's about and it's about just a good experience. Yes, you just gotta be yourself and because the kids can smell that on you when you're faking it, like a kid. Yeah, they're like a dog, boy. dude. Like a is. wild, they're like a wild, rabid dog. Yeah. I yeah. saw. Okay, and I'd like to ask you about this. I saw there was a Facebook thread. And I can't remember where it was, but anyways, there's a Facebook thread, and uh, a 
Johnny Buck. He's a guy from – is it North Carolina or South Carolina? Uh, yeah, Asheville. Where Ash- Asheville is. Asheville, I think. It's North Carolina. I'm not, uh, not sure. Dude, it's you're a, from Georgia. It, it's a Carolina. When you're from Georgia, that shit doesn't matter. Anyways, yeah. Um, it's yeah, not so, here, baby. Yeah, he's over there, and uh, he, he was having a debate with a guy, uh, and I'd like to get your opinion on it. They were talking about who's hardest to coach, right? What's the hardest, like, demographic or whoever to coach, right? Age-wise, gender, all this. They were talking about all of that. I think I've seen him post this question up on the McCaffrey's That's where Facebook page. Yep, yep. Yeah. So, anyway, who's the hardest coach? And one guy was like, dude, kids are the hardest coach by far. And then Johnny Buck got on there, who's a very good competitor, coach, He's student, a former I'm sure. college wrestler. Yeah, like yeah. the dude is just a, a really good everything, honestly. He's, he's a big Brown part of the – belt world champ. Yeah, yep. big part of the community uh, – for, for where he planet, is. Yeah, yeah tent planet type stuff. But he was like, no, nah, dude, blue belts are way harder to coach. And I'm not going to lie. I, okay, from my point of view, from being – I'm the assistant coach, okay? And I've coached a long time and everything. I've coached since I was a kid too. And um, from my point of view, blue belts are by far, in a way, the hardest people to coach for me. And it's a little bit of the student thing um, or maybe the lack thereof. But – the the blue belts give me such a hard time sometimes because it's it's like almost like they don't want to take my word for it, um, and I ha- eventually they'll listen to me, but I have to show them physically in the role. But if I don't do that, it seems like there's this hesitation to receive the information. A lot of the kids just no, take it, yo, yo, for fact. No blue belts do it to me too. Yeah, I don't okay. think it's, I don't think it's just you. Okay, I just wasn't sure if that was an experience. The, I mean, if Johnny Buck's having the experience. No, then. it's just the graveyard belt, right? It's just <laughs> yeah. you're that blue belt for so long. You're the white belt for a while. You're, you know, everybody's a white belt. You just under the assumption that you don't know anything and right, it's right, crappy. Right. Well, you even get, if you pretended like you did, no one would take you serious and you know that. Yeah, and you, you, get the blue, you get the blue belt. So now there's white belts who take you serious, like right. you're supposed to know everything, and all of a sudden you're you're better. You're not good, Jax. You're not yeah, a purple yeah, yeah. belt, but you're good – and now you can start doing stuff. Yeah, like yeah, now, yeah. now you have you have some of the restrictions lifted on you in the gym mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But now you're at this now you're at this belt where you're this belt forever. Yeah, you have you're staring down the pipe of a long, a long belt. time, long time. That's, so, I think that's probably the most challenging belt. It like is as far about it's yeah. absolutely because you have to develop not only skill wise but as a person and <laughs> your character has to develop so much. Uh, leadership has to start to develop. There's so there's so much stuff that develops at that belt that requires for you to move on to the next yeah. belt, which we'll get into. So much more than yeah, just we'll, jujitsu. Yeah, we'll yeah. get in. Yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah. into belts on another podcast. But, uh, but that man, that belt, all of a sudden gives you so much attitude and rebellion. Yeah. Like once you hit a blue belt, it's like being a 13 year old kid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. if you're a parent and you got teenagers like you understand like as soon as they hit that it's like a 13 to 16 year old kid like they're in their bedroom on their cell phone all day long like Mm -hmm. they can't walk through the house once you get a blue belt you just got a cell phone attached to your hand you're texting your kid in the same room like (laughs) it's that uh, this is how i think about it and this is not how i felt about it when i was a blue belt and i was a blue belt a long time and by the time i got a blue belt i've been training a long time but um regardless the way i feel about it now is a blue belt is like a senior white belt like if you've been a blue belt less than a year and a half you're just a a really senior white belt like you're very you're very capable and you can beat the crap 
out of 95% of the room a lot of times if you're a very sporty blue belt. But, like, there's still, like, you need to come in and, and realize, like, okay, I have a lot of things I need to receive. Even if this is my favorite move we're about to drill, there's pro- even if you're a studly blue belt, there, are, there is definitely things that you can pick up from what we're about to do and drill. If you'll just shut up a minute. <laughs> Dude, I've, I've been training 23 years, and I'm there's stuff that I learned about a flower sweep last night. Yeah, exactly. So see, here's the thing. I learned a flower sweep in 1999. I'm a brown belt, and I have black belts come to my class sometimes, right? And I have brown belts come, and I have all these you know people come. Those guys are the easiest to coach. It's almost like they got there because they're easy to coach. The I, reason they're at brown and black. Well, I think a lot of it is, too, that we – most of the people that are brown belts and black belts, we came up in a different generation. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we yeah. came up in a different generation. That makes sense, too, where it's just completely different. But anyways. We um, were scolded and beat like dogs. <laughs> and we yeah. yeah, we and weren't treated like, like people. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're, we're got, we have morning class starting in about 15 minutes. So we're going to start wrapping this up. But I just uh, I just wanted to talk about, you know, that and, and, and see what uh, people think. If you have any questions, um, if you have any questions about what we were talking about, you can send them to our email at halfyourproblempodcast at gmail.com. Um, also, like if you want to debate this, you're more than welcome to. I like shit talking too. So if you want to, you know, send that in. Uh, if you want to talk about specific topics, send it to that email. Oh, that'd right? be awesome. Yeah, like, you know, get suggestions because yeah. I have a bunch of stuff I would like to talk about, but maybe y'all don't care about that at all, right? Uh, yeah, y'all send in enough. You know, talk- like Anthony comes in and wants to talk about Star Wars, but no one wants to hear yeah, that shit. Yeah, we definitely yeah, yeah. fucking shit on Star Wars for about <laughs> three hours. Uh, we actually, I, that fucking video I sent you, that fat guy falling yeah, Oh, it's so that good. That was so funny. Uh, that that's, guy's got that, a name, something, uh, fatty, something I don't, fatty. I don't know what it is, but that's every Star Wars person. Ask ever, Matthew ever. about it because he's a big, he, got, he follows that guy on YouTube and that guy's got like a million subscribers. Oh, uh, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, Airsoft fatty. Airsoft fatty. I, I watched that video a thousand times. <laughs> Anyways, if y'all, if y'all send in a bunch of stuff, we could probably do a whole podcast just on responding to um, yeah. videos and stuff like that. If y'all right. send in videos or yep. uh, just voicemails that sounds so for chris sheffield you don't send us any voicemails oh my goodness chris will be sending in voicemails <laughs> um all right so look we're gonna wrap it up um hopefully we see y'all on the mat soon appreciate having you uh jason uh see y'all next time